0: Welcome to My MacD Life, empowered by the Support Sight Foundation. This podcast is about macular degeneration and the devastating impact it has on millions of people and their families every single day, 365 days a year. Our mission is simple, to bring hope, optimism, perspective, and education to our listeners. So tune in, buckle up, and put your listening ears on.
1: Hi. I'm Dawn Prawl, founder and executive director of the Support Sight Foundation. My MACD Life, the podcast you're listening to and tuning into right now, is empowered by the Support Sight Foundation. We are a voice you can trust. My MACD Life is the first podcast series about how to live your best life with macular degeneration.
2: My MACD Life podcast is generously supported by Regeneron. Welcome to My MACD Life. Today we're going to talk to Jameika Porter, who has not one, but two blinding eye diseases. Welcome, Jameika. Thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Welcome. Thank you. How did this all begin? As early as I can remember, when I was a about four or five, I used to always, I would cry because I was scared of the dark. And I used to grind my teeth to the point that my mother had to take me to the dentist and they had to like cut out the baby teeth of the adult teeth because they had just, they were too small. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was just paranoid and couldn't see anything. And um, so I saw with a nightlight <laughs> with the hallway light on. And when I was 10 or so, so anybody, if you, anyone that knows, if you went to Catholic school way back when, they didn't have like special ed or they just separated you from the other kids in like these little trailers or you were in the basement. And when I was about 10 years old, I was having trouble reading. So they sent me to the trailer with the kids that didn't, they couldn't read or had trouble reading. And I started to help the other kids that could read in the class. And the teacher, (laughs) the special education teacher sent me back to the regular reading room and said that, she reads fine because I actually read on like an eighth grade level because I have older siblings. So I've been reading since I was like four. And so this was when you were like five or six. Right. So I was, yeah. And they realized that I couldn't see. It wasn't that I couldn't read.
2: <laughs> I just couldn't see. Wow. So that's the first time that somebody actually noticed it. Yes, because I was fine until then. Yeah. Who told them that you were not seeing correctly? How did it sort of progress?
3: The nurse sent a note home saying that I needed to go to the eye doctor. They always thought it was kind of inevitable because my mother had star guards.
2: Okay, I see. So she kind of knew when you were born that this was a potential, something that you could, you could have.
3: This was the mid-70s, so not really. I mean, it was a potential because, uh, unfortunately, eye conditions run in our family. But most people either have glaucoma or retinitis pigmentosa. I figured it out because you start to realize you're a little different from the other kids. Mm -hmm. So I was uncomfortable staying out late at night or, okay, I took a lot of chances as a teenager, but I was really uncomfortable (laughs) staying out at night, but I would anyway. Right. Or, um, you know, I had trouble in class because I always had to have a specific seat because if I was near the, you know, you know how some rooms have the double board? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I always had to be near a, a brighter wall so that I could see the board in the front or vice versa.
0: My MacD Life podcast is brought to you in part by
2: Centric Bank, Healthy Vision Association, Hinkle Stein and Associates, Navaris, Regeneron, Visparo, and from anonymous donors. So this sort of came in around
3: high school years. The the RP condition, the RP, yes, the Stargardt's, and I was about ten. It wasn't a full diagnosis; they just kept. I just kept getting different glasses like every year or every six months or so, a new eyeglass prescription. And was this
2: with the same eye doctor or did you seek different specialists throughout the years and finally get to the point where you found the right doctor to give you that diagnosis?
3: When I was 10, we started at Woolsey because that's where my mother went, my mother and all of her siblings. My mom was one of nine kids. Oh, wow. And let me see. My mom, two, three, and four, of my, and four of my uncles all had uh, some form of for, some form of an eye condition. My grandfather also had an eye condition, and many of my cousins. So we all just kind of went the will's eye. That's amazing. I mean, that says a lot to
2: come from that genetic background. So, have you? What have you learned over the years through all the different specialists that you've seen?
3: I have to tell you for a while, I was a little resentful of my two older sisters because neither one of them have any eye problems. It's like, what? I was like, really? Why me? Right. <laughs> yeah. Why, why me? When I was 15, that was the first time I think I saw a retina specialist because the general doctor realized that it was beyond what he could do. <laughs> and that's when I learned about the RP and the, they gave me the full diagnosis of Stargardt. And when I was probably about 30, I started to seek treatment on my own, just outside of you know regular eyeglasses, and I was like, "There's something else," and I could feel changes um, in just the way I saw things. So things were progressively getting worse as you got older. It was yes. like you you definitely saw
2: uh, a marked change. Yes, and you took it upon yourself to do more research, find other specialists. How did you? How did you uh, ask for help, and how did you? Discovered these new found coping mechanisms?
3: Some things just become a way of life because like I said, my mother was almost totally blind. So for some things, as far as like household, I just functioned as a person that couldn't see because that's the way I was taught. Like furniture is placed in a certain way. You know, you open up all the curtains. Yeah. (laughs) So you grew up in an
2: environment that was conducive to coping with this condition since you were a child. Yes, but without realizing that's what what I was doing, right. That's amazing. That's amazing. And how did you end up adjusting to your school life and, you know, life with peers and teenagers? And how did you do that?
3: I have to say, until maybe the 10th grade, I was an excellent student, advanced placement. And once I got to a large, I went transferred to a larger high school in the 10th grade, because I had always been in private or Catholic school. And in the 10th grade, I went to public school and I absolutely hated it because there were so many people and I was no longer one of like 12 kids where I could sit in the front of the room. (laughs) My last name starts with P, alphabetical order. I was always toward the back. (laughs) And I just, I did, honestly, I did just enough to get by Mm -hmm. because I never wanted to explain to anybody why. I just kind of let people assume that I was lazy or didn't care about school, which wasn't true at all, but it was easier than trying to explain to people what was wrong.
2: My Mac D Life podcast is a national award winner of the STEP program for innovative macular degeneration patient education and for demonstrating
0: a commitment to addressing the daily needs of people with age-related macular degeneration.
3: Uh, when I was 18, I went away to college. I still did the, you know... I struggled a lot, but I made it through for the first year and a half, two years. And at that point, I just kind of got tired of it, found a full-time job. You know, when you're 19 with a full-time job that I realized didn't pay much of anything. But at the time, I thought it was a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I just kind of went with it. Because to go to these different
2: specialists is probably pretty expensive.
3: It was. For a long time, I just didn't go. Mm Mm-hmm. I just felt like it was. what It was. It was going to happen. When I was fifteen, the specialist told me that I would probably be blind by the time I was forty. So I was like, "Oh, it's just life. I'm going to see what I can see and do what I can do until then." Wow. And so I traveled. I I had fun. And now you're in your forties. And now I'm in, now I'm in my forties. When I was thirty, um, well, I guess about twenty eight. I got a I had a really good job. I worked for a law firm with excellent insurance and. That's when I decided to go back to the eye doctor. Oh, that's great. And how frequent is that? Um, are you now a, a case study? Yes. I, now I am a case study. I had one doctor who made me a case study that I wasn't didn't realize that's what he was doing. Mm. Okay, I won't say names, but I had a doctor, and he didn't really say that's what he was doing, but I would go... I have to go like every three to six months. And at one point I told him, I said, I think I need to switch to a low vision doctor. This was like my early 30s. I had a drawer full of glasses. Like every time I went, he gave me a new prescription. Eyeglasses are expensive. Insurance or not, they're expensive. Yeah, right. So I would just get new glasses. You know, he was like, no, we'll try this. But I realized after maybe my fourth visit with him, there were always other doctors there. Oh, Interesting. I'm like, well, what is this about? And he was saying, oh, I, I have, I have a, you know, I have a colleague that would like to, you know, examine you also. And okay. But then there would be another colleague. And then it, so I was like, okay, you're using me as a guinea pig. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of had my feel because I had one colleague that, um, not my, he had one colleague during the process of her exam. Instead of asking me to turn left or right, because, you know, the room is dark, so I can't see. Instead of asking me to turn left or right, she just kept snapping her fingers. Okay, turn your head now.
2: All right. How has it evolved from going from glasses
3: to other products that you're now using to support your life? Okay, I'll be honest. I'm still working on the assistive technology part. Some things are difficult because I do get embarrassed when I'm in the store and I can't see a barcode and I have to take out the magnifier. I have this like app on my phone that, that I can, but it's embarrassing. So I fake my way through some things, but I'm getting, I'm getting much, much better I just bought a larger television. (laughs) Probably not the best solution, but I have a really large TV. I have two really large (laughs) televisions. Friends and family. I have some friends that to this day do not realize that there's anything wrong with me because to look at me, you would never know. Yeah, right. Because, you know, with with the Mac or with the Star Guards, and then with the RP, it's more internal. So you'll never be able to look at me and say that I can't see.
2: I'm just so curious about when you felt when you learned that you
3: might not be able to see in your 40s because I saw how other people treated my mother and my grandfather you know and you know like I said a couple of my uncles people can be cruel so I made the decision that I would never have to depend on anyone at a very young age now that I think about it I think I I did suffer from some depression and I still do sometimes sure sure cuz there are little things that I miss right and that I used to I could do even just five years ago that I have trouble doing now, so I just try to move on. I'll go back when I, like I said, when I was about thirty, and I did finally decided to start going to the doctor again. <laughs> I decided that for myself, I wanted to finish my bachelor's degree. So I did. And shortly thereafter, I got a master's degree. Well, not for anyone else, but it's mine. It's mine. I worked for it. I struggled for it. I had to study twice twice as long and twice as hard, but I graduated with like a 3.9 grade average. I was like, this is mine and no one can take it. And how it helped in various things, you know, I told one person, I said, you know, the lady said, well, I have make I said, you know what? I said, I actually do, too. And she kind of stood there and stared at me for a second. I was like, no, really, I do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, you know, we, you know, and we talked about it and we just and I think it helped her because sometimes a person that's cited and they don't do it intentionally, but they'll say it's right there. Just push the button. Just look. And, but I was really able to say to her, you know, if you look to your left, mm and focus, then this will help. That's fantastic.
2: So throughout the years, you've really learned how to communicate your position more clearly. Whereas before, you might have been a little bit more timid about letting people know what your condition was. Would you say that you're now feeling a little bit more empowered about letting people know like, no, I can't see to the left, but this is how you do
3: it. And this is what I've learned by having this condition. I'm I'm getting better. Because I still have my moments. I have my moments because, like I said, people can be really cruel and cruel without thinking that they're being cruel. And when you mean cruel, does this mean just taking certain things for granted, thinking that you can see? Yes, taking certain things for granted. And I'm very sensitive to anyone that has a disability. Mm Mm-hmm. Or people say things like, well, you know, if you get different glasses, you'll see better. I'm like, I can wear 20 pairs of glasses. It's not going to make a difference. Right. And they just don't
2: get that because they don't
3: understand the complexity of the condition. Right. They, right. You know, or I was in um, I was in Trader Joe's and I love Trader Joe's. And the cashier that I had, I asked her for the. I said, oh, could you give me my total? Because I can't see it on the screen on that little, you know, <laughs> this big. Yeah. So no. And she's like, it's right there. And I was like, "I so no, miss, I didn't ask you for, you know, ask you to pointed out. I was like, I know where to find it. I said, I'm just asking you for the price. And she was like, "Oh, it's right there. And she like, I was like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to walk away. I said, but I'm going to tell you this. I said, I'm going to get someone else to ring up my groceries. So I took all of my groceries to another, you know, next little cubby. I said, but you shouldn't assume that the person can see it. I said, or even that I could read. I said, you can't make that assumption. And it's not that hard to say your groceries came to fifty six (laughs) dollars and twelve cents. That's amazing. Just be nicer to people. Anyone. I guess you know the, the thing that most most
2: people don't realize that everybody has some story. Would you say you have more of a compassionate perspective of those who don't understand? Do you do, does it still bother you like it did in the past, or have you sort of just gone well? You know, this is how a lot of people are in the world. They just don't understand.
3: I'll be honest. I have my moments because I and I have a I have a very good friend and she's a reverend. And we talk about this all the time because I'll call her and I'll say, Lisa, I'm calling Reverend Lisa right now. And not my friend Lisa, because I need for you <laughs> to talk me through this. Right. And she's like, she'll say, OK, OK. She, you know, she's like, let's say a quick prayer and then we'll talk about it. I have to think about it from the other person's point of view, because sometimes I'm just angry. Right. Like, it's not that hard. It's not that hard to answer a question. But then I also, you know, through her, I have learned you have to, like you said, everybody has a story. And sometimes they really just don't understand. And it's as simple as saying, you know what, I can't see this. Has um, some of the breakthrough in treatments and the wisdom that you've learned from
2: some of your doctors, have you imparted that to your family members, the ones who also suffer from
3: certain vision conditions? Have you been able to help them? Oh my gosh, yes. Well, I am one of the only ones with star guards. uh, Because, well, you know, through research, I found it skips a generation. And what my mother realized as she got older was that her maternal grandfather probably had star guards. But considering he was born in like 1890, they didn't know and it was just bad eyes. But they had the same types of eye problems, you know, it skips a generation. So technically it should have skipped me, Mm. but I'm nosy and I wanted to know because I felt like once I was old enough to understand that it was a genetic condition and not just something that I got because, you know, when I was younger, the first doctor told me because I was probably staring at the sun Uh, and I was like, who just sits outside (laughs) and stares at the sun? Okay. (laughs) So I wanted to know, and I, you know, I like to read, so I, I needed to have answers for myself. And I'm like that with most things. You can't just tell me something and I believe you. I need to know. But talking to my mom and we talked about that. And then talking to my dad. Because I had a doctor tell me that my parents were probably related. And that's how I I got Mm Stargardt. That was a little traumatic. I was like, you just told me my parents were related. Yeah. So that was another doctor. I was like, okay, won't be back here anymore. Right, right. (laughs) And he was so nonchalant about it. "Your, Your parents are related. I was like, my parents are related. But... My father, uh, how my parents found each other, is a carrier. Well, was a carrier. He's deceased. Mm-hmm. And that's how I ended up with Stargarts.
2: Interesting. So, and stargardt's just is a adolescent version of macular degeneration. Yes. So when you sit down to read, what, what's your system?
3: I use a Kindle with very large font in contrast. I use the device, um, so the Ruby, and you, you can put it on and read it. I don't like those little handheld magnifiers because then you have to follow, you have to move your hand across the page, which is, like, really annoying to me. So I do that, and I'm, yeah, currently getting my own Ruby so I can read because I, I love to read. So it's, it's working out. You've found a way to maneuver through
2: life with these different additions and tools so you're able to keep reading and keep, keep on as you would be,
3: but you have to stop certain things at nighttime. I'm in the winter, which I do not like I, in the fall because I'm stuck from sunup to sundown. Anything that I do has to be from sunup to sundown. And it can be depressing, especially when time changes. I have to be in the house by five o'clock. Hi, I'm Dawn Prawl, creator of My Maxi Life.
1: Thank you for joining us. We could not make this happen without you.
2: So you really have a a network of support. You have your friend that comes help you with the mail. Do you have someone who is a designated driver if you need to get somewhere and you're able to pull upon this network
3: that are really supportive of you? I do Lyft and Uber a lot. I do have a couple of friends, you know, or sometimes my sister will come and she'll take me places, but I don't really like to ask people unless I absolutely have to. I go out, you know, during the day, every week, I go do my grocery shopping. I get on the bus. Um, I don't take the subway anymore. I stopped it within the past probably two to three years because it's really dark under there. And if somebody approached me, I wouldn't be able to see them. Well, I actually had that happen. So that's what made me stop riding the Mm -hmm. subway. Right, right. And I tripped coming up the steps. Yeah. How do you see yourself evolving? I want to be more of a mentor. Um, I had a job, I guess, a couple of years ago. I worked for a program and we worked with underserved and under-resourced students. So I absolutely want to be able to help them going forward in the future. So it could be economically, socially, or because of a disability. So I want to work with children to help them move forward. But I've also found that I like working with adults. Mm -hmm. That I can share with, and you know I can answer questions honestly, right? And that because you can kind of tell when people make it up as they go along. Mm-hmm. We're like, yeah, yeah, that, that'll work for you. Just try it, and you're like, no, it won't. Right. So I'm just, um,
2: just—you've really come a long way since you were a child and having to sort of fake your way through school, and you know people were treating you differently. How would you say your personality has? been enhanced by this experience?
3: So some things I'm just numb and I've learned to and it's probably not the best way, I just let people think what they want to what they really want to think. So anyone knows you see those movies about people that go to all girls' schools and how mean some of the girls are. Okay, it's really like that. And I realize now that People would say things, oh, she's so stuck up. I waved to her and she didn't wave back and she doesn't like to talk to people. But it wasn't that I I couldn't see them. <laughs> right. So now that I think, it, I'm like, oh, yeah. That's amazing. You know, so I I let people think what they want to think. That's great. You know, like I said, I, I do have my days, but I just try to be nice to people. Um, I recently had a neighbor say to one of my other neighbors that I don't like to talk to people because she waves to me from across the street and I never wave back. <laughs> My neighbor told her, she can't see you. Just say hi, Jamaica. And she's like, she talks to me all the time. Right? Oh, that's that's wild. Yeah, you know, people are very sensitive, aren't they? And they think
2: that they they always, because we're self-absorbed by nature, people will tend to think, oh, it must be something I've done. They don't like me when they don't, they don't have any idea. And for you being very self-contained about your condition – that can make for a very interesting dynamic uh, as you go through life because people won't understand what you have. And it's interesting that you have both of these conditions and that you've learned to maneuver through life really well with them.
3: Thank you. It's like one in 25,000 people or something. The doctor told me, I finally found a retina specialist that I, I love him and he found that within star guards, there are different types Mm -hmm. And the kind that I have, he said, I will most likely never go completely blind. I may get close, but I'll still be able to see, I'll be able to see some. And they gave me some inner peace. That's wonderful. And so you'll be able to see faces,
2: however, a little bit blurry, but you'll still be able to see features? Yes.
3: That's great. That's great. Now that I think about it, my mom was that way. And I remember when I was... Really young, I got my nose pierced, and I tried to hide it because I was like, she can't see it. She won't be able to see it. (laughs) And she let me go on for about two days, and finally she came into my room and she said, so I see that big nose ring you have. And I was like, what? Nose ring? That's great.
2: That's funny. Oh, God, I love it. Well, and your other relatives who also have impaired vision, do they Mm -hmm. come to you for advice. I mean, you must be sort of a symbol of resilience and positivity in the the midst
3: of all this. You know, it's funny. I have one cousin and we discovered we see the same retina specialist and we both have given him permission to like discuss this, you know, in his in the exam. And because I was talking to him about my family history when I first started and I was like, oh, and I have a cousin and she fell going down the steps and broke, you know, broke part of her neck and and he was like well i can't say but i have a patient that you know the right he's like they amazing, can't be, right and he was so i get you know i gave the information i was like this is so he now he knows and he talks to both of us and it has helped with some of the genetic testing have any of these has, uh,
2: breakthroughs been published in any um
3: no we, we should get we should get that done but that same cousin, she's older than I am. She always tells me she was like, "I want to be like you when I grow up." She was like, "Cause you go out." She's like, "You do your own shopping." You, I was like, "I was like, yeah." I was like, "I do Instacart," but I'm kind of funny about people touching my tomatoes, and, you know. <laughs> 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 well, you've got the bravery gene. I'll tell you that.
2: Yes. And yeah. I, and I think that really has helped you through through a miraculous. Um, and difficult road. Uh, you're you're coming out on top of it, which is really inspiring. So I just want to thank you for sharing your stories. I just think having conditions like this, um, you know, you can either cave cave in or you can learn to figure
3: out systems, systems yeah. that
2: allow you to achieve the things that you want to achieve. And it seems that you're achieving all of them.
3: I'm trying, and then I think about it. like I had an aunt. She actually just passed away. She was a hundred and one. Wow. Uh, she had glaucoma and RP and like her whole her entire house. I always loved her house as a kid. I never knew why, but everything had the way her lighting was placed and every she it was just her and her husband for well, for years, and she cooked and everything was set up. and I was like, I want to be able to live like that. So at this at the Support Site Foundation,
2: are you going to gradually uh, work your way into a role where people can
3: find you and ask you questions and how how will that evolve? Oh, I hope so. I mean, that that will be great. I know know it hasn't been very long since I've been here and still a learning and training process, but I would love to be a resource for other people. Or just a sounding board sometimes. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, it seems, it seems like that would be the natural fit for you, because you
2: have such a, an area of experience that not many people have in the whole world. It's a very, very speci- very specific knowledge. And it's amazing that you have found a doctor Yes. So would that mean that you're going to stay pretty much close to that doctor for the rest of your life and live in that area?
3: Oh, absolutely. But the funny thing with my retina specialist, the last time that I was there, and I have to admit it's been a while because of COVID and all, he has patients from all over the country that fly in to see him. Wow. So you're just lucky that you have him right here. Yeah. You usually have to make appointments like six to nine months in advance, but (laughs) he's, yeah, he does. He has people come from all over and he's very sincere in wanting to help you. Does he show you why there isn't a cure for it. He does. And he talks about some of the progress that has been made and how things were different as to, you know, he will like, well, when your mother was younger, because my mother was in her thirties when she was diagnosed with star guards, she went through the same thing I did where they just kept changing her glasses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he'll make the comparison. And, you know, it was like, he personally called me when my genetic testing came back and they realized that I wouldn't go completely blind. And I thought that was so sweet. It wasn't a nurse. It wasn't, you know, wasn't an email. I was like, this is this is really nice. That's great. Wonderful. So you're in good hands. So I mean, I'm in good hands. I um have to find a new low vision doctor, but I think I'm going to be in really good hands because I've talked to a couple of people and I know where to go. So it helps. And you know, you don't, when you get people that care, you know, and they say, I don't see the way you see, but I want to help you. It makes a difference as opposed to someone just saying, we'll do this or do that. Like, no, but you don't see how I see. Well, thank you so much for
2: joining us today on my MACD life, empowered by the support site foundation. Thank you. This was great. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Prawl. I am the founder and executive director of the Support Site Foundation. My MACD Life is brought to you or empowered by the foundation. And this is our very special segment that we bring to you every episode Product Spotlight. And Product Spotlight is sponsored by our wonderful friends at Vespero. And we have the fun us to do today. It's me and Mike Wood from Vesparrow. Hey, Mike.
4: Hey, Don. How's it going?
1: Great. Who's Vespero besides the sponsor of this segment,
4: Product Spotlight? Yeah, sure thing. So I, I think the question may be, what don't I do at Vespero? That might be <laughs> an easier question some days. So I do a lot of different things at Vespero, but my main focus is uh, the education market. So K-12, higher ed, and really schools. Is what I focus on, and I do a lot of work with the senior market. But I've been with Sparrow for about 15 years, so I've been here quite a while, and oh. know enough to be a little bit dangerous within the. Look. You sure do, yeah.
1: So today we thought we'd put that extra twist on it and talk about low vision. Yes, uh, and the products or the the assistive technology devices that that the Sparrow is uh, makes that people people who have low vision need to know more about because the goal of my MACD life is to be a resource for people who are living life with low vision due to macular degeneration. So low vision, not a widely known, what do we call it? Condition, not widely known. So tell us what low vision means to to you, to the company.
4: Absolutely. So to give you a little history, too, Vispero, uh, which is spelled V-I-S-P-E-R-O, is actually the combination of two Latin words. One being visio, and the other being spiro. And visio means the vision, and spiro mm-hmm. means hope. So our driven, you know, message and our mission is to provide hope, determination, and independence. Through all of our different products, whether it be hardware or software, that support those that are low vision. So we've been around quite a while, really being the leader industry. You know, back in gosh, since 1975. Many of our brands we've merged together, many brands over the years, uh, but we've all been around since 1975.
1: So low vision. Um, when you talk about, and I think it's important for people to, you know, we get a lot of um, a lot of our constituents, a lot of people are asking us about, you know, I've just been diagnosed with MACD and I don't know what to do. I've been told there's nothing they can do about it and I'm scared. One of the the main role that the foundation plays and certainly this podcast is to, back to your education um, comment, is so that people learn more about living with low vision. So if I have low vision. My retina doc's not going to say that to me. My ophthalmologist might not say that to me. So how do I know when I have it?
4: So, you know, one of the things that I find, or a few of the different things that I find um, that are signs that low vision, that you're starting to have low vision. Oftentimes it's something that can't be corrected with lenses, whether it be contact lenses, glasses, um, something like eye drops. So it might be difficulty reading a book newspaper or magazine, even after you've had corrective lenses. So, you know, you've gone to your eye doctor and you have glasses or contacts. Recognizing faces of family and friends, finding that it's difficult to do basic things around the house like cooking, sewing, or fixing and repairing things. Uh, Another key factor is if you start to notice that you might need more light or that you're having a hard time matching colors of your clothing, feeling like the lights are dimmer, in the room. Uh, and then if you're still driving, noticing traffic signs or reading the signs of stores, you know, as you're driving by, uh, these are all signs that you may have low vision and might want to go and see a low vision specialist to have. your
1: So here's the thing. Yep. Yeah. And you know, here's the thing. When you have MACD, uh, you just hit all the check boxes. All of those things happen, whether you're diagnosed with it yet or not. I would say that people for people out there listening that when you're diagnosed with macular degeneration, you have low vision.
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? And it might just not be as severe yet. You know, I think right. That, there's stages. Yep. There mm-hmm. are definitely stages. And you know, one of the things that I like to tell people too, is it's not going to be a one tool fixes all type of situation when you have MACD, you know, many times people that I'm working with that have MACD, might have multiple different pieces of technology to get through the day. So
1: yeah, because you can't cut a steak with a butter knife. You need, everybody knows you need the right tool. You golf, when you golf, you don't use a putter to, you know, hit your tee shot.
2: No, no
4: definitely <laughs> <Right>. don't. No. <laughs> and so, you know, you might use a handheld video magnifier like the Ruby when you go into the grocery store, uh, reading tags at the grocery store. or Maybe you're going to a restaurant. And you know that the restaurant's going to be, every restaurant's low light, right? Uh, They're setting the ambiance and the mood for you. But you want to have this handheld video magnifier known as, you know, one of the best selling in the industry, the Ruby. And that's going to be really beneficial to maybe read the menu. But if you're at home and you're maybe reading the newspaper, you might want a desktop magnifier like the Optilect Clearview C. Um, That's going to be more of a stationary device that you bring the materials to as opposed to bring the device to the materials.
1: Right. And I'm just going to insert this cuz I you yep. mentioned these are technology assistive technology devices that are out there that the Sparrow makes and this is the technology that if you have low vision you can do the things like reading like you said tasks that you're you can't you may not be able to do as well now that you have low vision?
4: So some of the tools that people might benefit from when they have MACD are something like a handheld video magnifier, a handheld optical magnifier, a desktop video magnifier, or something that provides OCR capability, which is optimal character recognition, uh, which is basically scanning and reading. So you can take text and then have it read back to you. And then there's also some other, you know, tools out there, software-based for your computer. So if you need to magnify what's on your computer or have the computer read things back to you, there's technology out there that will do that as well. All of these different products fall under uh, different brands within the Vespero company.
1: Now, what are those, Mike? So I think it's important for, for people to understand. You're I love that you're giving this overview, kind of general overview of the of the way that. Let, quote unquote assistive technology industry works and also you know when you have low vision you need assistive technology.
4: Absolutely do.
1: What does Fispero have?
4: So under the Vispero umbrella there are a couple different brands. There's Freedom Scientific, Enhanced Vision, Optilect, and the Paciello Group known as TPGI. So each one of these brands offer some different products. So for example Freedom Scientific is Best known for Jaws Zoom Text, uh, that's computer software, and then they're also known for their world-renowned handheld video magnifier called the Ruby. Uh, the Ruby comes in a couple different flavors as far as sizes and functionality. But
1: so, what category is that in? When you said, is that what what when you said yeah. magnifiers
4: earlier? What what is that? What category? So the Ruby would fall in a handheld video magnifier category. So these are something that are electronic. And one of, or I should say three of the key things that you should focus on when you have low vision are going to be magnification. Oftentimes you need magnification support. So things need to be enlarged. Lighting, you oftentimes need more lighting. So it might be as simple as having a desk lamp um, or changing the light bulbs to be a different brightness and contrast. And these handheld video magnifiers offer all of those benefits.
1: Well, actually, all the products have that, right? I mean, that's the one Correct. thing we tell people. I mean, that's where we start when they ask us. It's like they, every one of the assistive technology products has those features, right? Yep. And some have, what do you call it, OCR? Or is is what's TTS?
4: Text to speech. So TTS would be... Is that the same thing? It's basically the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah. So the product offers you text to speech using the character recognition technology.
1: It's just like reading aloud, right?
4: Correct. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people like that because you may have a newspaper or a magazine that you put under a device. And you know, the other thing is you you think about if you have MACD, the more you're using your eyes, you're straining your eyes throughout the day, so you'll start to get eye fatigue. You're tired. You do. Your your eyes are getting tired. You know, I'm sure many of you on these, you know, listening in here have had eye headaches before. You know, you get that kind of strain within your eye and the text to speech helps because it lets you kind of sit back and have something else read the text to you. So you can close your eyes, relax, um, and listen to the text out loud.
1: Right. Plus, we always tell people, and I think it's important in this in this segment to say, you don't see with your eyes; you see it with your brain. And when you struggle with low vision, let's face it, we're all using our sight. You struggle with low vision; your sight's not; it's impaired. Correct. So there's Freedom Scientific. Correct. Enhanced Vision. Yep. Optilec. Yep. And Passiella Group, but. So what's the difference between all of those? Cause we said they all have the features, but what's the difference between those brands so we can help people understand that?
4: Yeah. So each one, and you know, the best spot to look and see the differences would be at vispero.com. So V I S P E R O.com. And from there you can be linked to all of those brand websites, but You know, it really depends on, so for example, depends on the task that you're doing. You know, Optilec is really good if you're looking at optical magnifiers. What is the optical
1: magnifier?
4: So an optical magnifier is something I like to call it the Sherlock Holmes style magnifier. You know, it's going to be uh, a glass lens. So it's going to be more of a lens type of magnifier. And, you know, that's usually where people start out. They might have a 5X, 6X, 7X optical magnifier. So that's a one power magnifier. The newer ones have LED lights in them. And from there, you're you, if you have that, you have that magnification. So you have a 7X. So you graduate
1: because you're going to need more because we all know with MACD and I'm the MACD queen, you know that it's progressive. So Correct. if you have one of those Optelec 5Xs and it's not working for you now, I mean, it's got to be hard to read the newspaper with that. If it's not working because your eyes are changing, then, then, then you graduate up to an electronic version with like what you mentioned before, right? The desktop, that kind of thing. So it's size, right? Okay. Yep.
4: And the reason that it also makes a difference is I'm glad you mentioned size because with optical magnifiers, the stronger you get, so the higher you need, the larger magnification that you need or the stronger the magnifier, the smaller the lens gets. So Mm. if you have a 5X, it's a larger lens, but then if you get up to 10 and 12X, it becomes a much smaller lens so you're picking it's up like r- backwards. It is backwards, it, you know. It, it is, but it's all you know in the science of it. So at that point, I tell people that's when you go over to those handheld video magnifiers. Similar, graduate. To, <laughs> you do. You graduate over to the Ruby. But you guys
1: are going to talk about different products. But that, but I think it's important for people to know they have choices. Is that really
4: what you're saying? It is. Freedom Scientific has the Ruby. Enhanced Vision has the Pebble. And Optilec has the compact, and it is nice to have options.
1: They have options, but they're all basically the same. So, is and they're what different colors, maybe
4: yes, buttons. What what's different functionality? The button okay. placement might be in a different area. The handle's shaped differently you might have a touchscreen device instead of having tactile buttons.
1: Okay, is it a difference in price? I know we don't really talk about that much, uh, uh, but I mean, certainly people can go to thesparrow.com and find, but is there a difference in price in those?
4: Uh, You know what, there is a little bit of a difference between some of them, but it really depends on the size of the screen that you're doing. So if you're starting out with a 4.3 inch screen, for example, that's gonna be less expensive than if you go up to a seven inch screen or to a 10-inch screen. So again, the larger the screen, the larger the price will be.
1: But is there a difference? So if if between Freedom Scientific, Optelec, and the other, is Hans Vision, are there different prices in those? Is it kind of like different?
4: They're pretty similar. Okay. Pretty similar, I would say.
1: Yep. I think that's good for people to know because let's face it, they're investing in their independence. Yes. They're investing in devices that, that will help them. And we always say this, to not to regain your sight, but to perform tasks better. And then you do see better because you're using the device.
4: And you're regaining independence. You know, there's so many people that I meet that something as simple as wanting to read the mail that comes to them and on their own, be able to read it, not have to ask their husband, wife, or whomever they live with to read something to them.
1: So I love what you said. So we're going to kind of wind out this low vision. I, I love that you, you know, the Sparrow, no pun intended, is focused on, <laughs> or an l- industry leader in low vision assistive technology devices and the role that the foundation and, you know, in terms of our patient education, that that we partner with you to your work with the Sparrow. Thank you again for your, for your support. We couldn't do it without you, but to, to partner together so that more and more people understand low vision.
4: Absolutely. And we're happy to, you know, so our key is to develop and deliver innovative solutions that will enable individuals that are low vision to reach their full potential. So that depends on what you want. What is your full potential? Do you want to gain an education, obtain employment, succeed in your professional career, or live independently. You name it.
1: See your grandkids.
4: Yeah, and that's the thing. It's just living your day-to-day life sometimes. And it's phenomenal. Yeah, and these products help do that. I mean, we have people using these to play bingo, uh, do crossword puzzles. I've met people that use them to knit. Wow. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, We had a veteran. uh, We do a lot of work with the VA hospitals. And we had a veteran that was doing fly fishing lures under his desktop cctv you know so he had a big desktop unit with a 22 inch monitor and he was able to enlarge these small little lures you know that he was using for fishing and tie them himself so i mean really it depends on what you want to do i'm sure we have the product that meets those needs to help you thank you you're welcome thank you for having me here today don
1: you bet come back
4: i definitely will i'm like the terminator (laughs)
0: for being with us on my MacD life the podcast with a vision to bring hope optimism perspective and education to our listeners for more information and many great incredible resources visit mymacdlife.org this program is supported by amazing listeners like you please consider a donation to keep our mission moving forward remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts until next time keep living with hope
2: The MacD Life podcast is generously supported by Regeneron.